Welcome to the Evolved Caveman, where men learn to be successful and happy with your host, Dr. John Schinnerer, as he shares the most impactful ideas and practices for you to get the most from your relationships, your work, and from your life. Now, here's Dr. John. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. John back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman amidst a very rainy and stormy Sunday before the Raiders play the Eagles. Um, but yeah, we are getting a river of water dumped upon our heads right now in Northern California. And today I, I was just, I wanted to riff a little bit, talk a little bit about the need for us humans to embrace paradoxes and contradictions. Now, this one might be a little bit heady, but I think it's really, really important. And as the great Carl Jung said, the paradox is one of our most valuable spiritual possessions. Only the paradox comes anywhere near comprehending the fullness of life. The paradox to me is the ampersand. It is the and rather than the or in communication, in thinking, in life. And most of us take the mental shortcut, the cognitive error of simplifying life in our thinking into or, or, ors, this or that, Republican or Democratic, right or wrong, black or white. And the problem with this is it's simplistic thinking. It doesn't accurately reflect the complexities that is life. So we need to work and begin to be aware of the and, both and. Because Life is complex. People are complex. And we need to respect this complexity in our thinking and how we approach life. So what does this look like? Well, just it, it looks like thinking about most things on a 1 to 10 scale or as probabilistic, that is, as existing on a spectrum of 1 to 100% probability of occurring. To handle the complexities of life means to be able to mentally and emotionally hold space for competing hypotheses simultaneously. To be able to handle contradictory thoughts and emotions. To have the maturity to straddle warring attitudes without simplifying to either or. Paradox is the need for security and the yearning for adventure. It's our need for commitment balanced with our need for freedom. It's that human desire for safety and simultaneously to experience the excitement of risk, the excitement of not knowing. It's the drive to be a part of a group balanced with that drive that wants to be, that, that part of us that wants to be an individual or to be part of a relationship balanced with that part that still wants to hold on to their individuality. So I'll get to some more examples as I go through this episode. Let me go through some kind of classic sample paradoxical sayings. It's the beginning of the end. If I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. When I was 19 or 20, I used to read a lot of Zen Buddhism and Zen used to do a great job of putting these paradoxes and contradictions in the form of a question that didn't really have an answer. For instance, what is the sound of one hand clapping? If you are your thoughts, then who is doing the thinking? 
And I believe the reason for these questions, these kind of nonsensical questions, was to get your thinking mind to kink, not as in BDSM, but as in like a hose, where it kinks long enough that the thinking stops and you realize that you are not simply your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. And it, it was an attempt to get you to detach from your ego. Because we humans are inherently complicated, hypocritical, and self-contradictory. Let me, let me tell you a story to, to demonstrate. So I recall a time several years ago, I was speaking to a young man who was attending a local community church. Yeah, I think it was Creekside Community Church. And he was asking why I wasn't a member. And I responded, well, you know, I, I have a problem with the hypocrites in organized religion. You know, kind of the, the old stories of the pastor sleeping with married congregation members or the father abusing his wife and, and so on. And without missing a beat, he replied, well, we can always use one more. And I laughed and said, touche. And he was absolutely right. Because as hard as I try, I too am hypocritical at times. Because I am human. And because I am self-contradictory. When I was young, my parents used to listen to Chris Christopherson albums because my mom, um, I don't know, was on a leadership council with him and kind of has idolized him ever since. But to me, he was a great poet. And I've listened to him for the last 50 years. And there's a line from Chris Christopherson, there's a line from a Chris Christopherson song, The Pilgrim, chapter 33, where he describes a rebellious songwriter who has done a lot of damage to himself throughout his life. And prior to the song, interestingly, he names a litany of musicians, including Johnny Cash and Rambling Jack Elliott. And the song begins with the line, see him wasted on the sidewalk in his jacket and his jeans, wearing yesterday's misfortune like a smile. Once he had a future full of money, love, and dreams, which he spent like they was going out of style. And he keeps right on a changing for the better or the worse, searching for a shrine he's never found. And then Chris hits us with one of the most poetic, profound, and true statements ever written. He's a walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on his lonely way back home. And that line that he's a walking contradiction has been with me for nearly 50 years it has always proven to be true. We think we are consistent. We think we are rational. We may be at times, but most times we're not. We are also emotional. As the brilliant researcher Antonio Damasio says, we are not thinking animals that feel. We are feeling animals that think. And you can spend a couple of years just wrapping your head around that one line. But what Damasio is saying, he's emphasizing that we are still largely primal creatures, animals, in whom emotion permeates, fuels, and can overpower all that we think and do. And I think that's a large part of why we can be hypocritical and internally inconsistent, because there's this battle going on between us, between the rational and the emotional, among others. Now, to me, and you know, I've been playing around with psychology for over 25 years, and I've thought a lot about a, 
you know, what's the, the height of psychological maturity? What are we shooting for? And to me, the height of psychological maturity may be thought of as the ability to hold space for multiple, often competing emotions, thoughts, and or attitudes that we hold about the same person or situation simultaneously. Let me say that again, because that's kind of a mindful. <laughs> the height of psychological maturity may be thought of as the ability to hold space for multiple, often competing emotions, thoughts, and attitudes that we hold about the same person or situation simultaneously. When you think of your mom, for example, you may feel love, awe, gratitude, relaxation, and simultaneously, you may feel something like anger, hurt, sorrow, pity, regret, and more. When you get hired for a new job, you may experience excitement, happiness, pride, greed, and fear, doubt, trepidation, and nervousness. And there are paradoxes in our motivational drives. For instance, we have the drive for connection as well as solitude. Those are contradictory. Those are at odds with each other fundamentally. We have a drive for novelty as well as certainty. Again, these drives are fundamentally at odds with one another. And then there are paradoxes created by how we're socialized. For example, in the man box culture, men learn to be self-reliant, which in and of itself is a good thing. But you don't want it to get, you don't want to be too self-reliant. And I think this is an example of one of those traits that is best thought of on a one to 10 scale, because I don't think you want to be at a one or a two on this scale, nor do you want to be at a nine or a 10. Because we need self-reliance, but we also need to be able to ask for help and support when we need it. We are taught to be stoic, that is, to not feel. And yet we feel due to our humanness. So what do you do with that? We have these contradictory messages of feel, don't feel. We learn that it is important to be courageous. And yet, because we're human, we fear, we get anxious, and we have panic attacks. We are taught to be certain, to act as if we know it all. And yet, we live in a world filled with uncertainty. So we must learn to balance certainty with a tolerance for uncertainty. And I believe this is one of the biggest divides between us in the pandemic. People want science to be 100% certain of the best way to proceed. They think it's a reason to distrust science if science contradicts itself, which it did during the COVID packet, blah, 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 which it did during the COVID pandemic, when this is simply how science works. It is slow. It is trial and error. It is building upon and refining what knowledge has come before. It is the learned tolerance of probability, ambiguity, and uncertainty. Over time, science gives us greater and greater degrees of certainty, but it does not happen instantly. And it doesn't happen in a year and a half of a pandemic. We are also socialized to provide for our family. And yet we spend so much time and energy at work over our lifetime that those we set out to provide for 
now resent us for the lack of time and attention we've spent with them. And this dynamic is perfectly captured in one of my favorite songs from youth, Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle. Where the boy wants nothing but to spend, he wants the time and attention from his dad at a young age. The dad's too busy with work. And then it flips as the boy gets older, his time and attention gets taken up with cars and girls and friends and his own work. And then the dad at the end of his life has time to spend with his son. And at that point, his son doesn't have any time to spend with him. And that to me has always felt tragic and has been a big reason why I've sought to spend time with my kids. Because as I've said before, time and attention are the currency of relationships. There are even paradoxes that emerge from our most difficult struggles in life as a result of post-traumatic growth, which by definition is paradoxical. In post-traumatic growth, the essential paradox that emerges is, my struggle has produced something of deep value. I am simultaneously more vulnerable and stronger and more resilient. And I, I want to give you permission to see all of this as normal. It's merely human. And the more you can learn to accept this, the more peaceful and happy you will be. Allowing whatever is arising to arise without judgment is a skill, an ongoing practice. And this episode is simply a reminder to practice embracing the fact that you also are a walking contradiction. That's it for this episode of The Evolved Caveman. I got to go watch the Raiders game because I am a contradiction also. A contradiction in being a Raiders fan and not wanting to be a glutton for punishment. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've liked it, please rate, review, and share with your friends. And until next time, this is Dr. John signing off. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 